1: Welcome
2: back to the internet's most dangerous Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. Fellas, ladies, we finally made it. We got to the end of the season. We all somehow survived this. Uh, it might be the worst Spurs campaign of my time as a fan, which I don't know. That's not really saying much, but it's pretty bad. Uh, but we're here to talk about it. We're. We're here to break down a little bit about our season-ending victory against Leeds United before we take a look back in anger at our 2022-2023 campaign. And then finally, we will look towards our future, a future without European football, but one that might be heading down under, hopefully in a good way, uh, unless that also falls apart too. Before I go any further, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify and also follow us at our Twitter feed at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Now they've suffered through this season just like the rest of us, so they might as well be here for the end of it. I am joined by my two regular co-hosts. First up, his ski courses are more treacherous than Spurs hiring a director of football. It's Brian Ashlock. Brian, how are you doing today?
0: Uh, I, I'm grieving the, the loss of Phil Neville, um, as the Um, manager of my, you know, my boyhood club, uh, inter Miami. Um, but on the bright side, it means that he's now available for the Spurs job. So, um, you know, it, it, this could end up working out pretty well for who Phil Neville mostly.
2: (laughs) Fair enough. And then next up, he is shaking it like a Polaroid picture. It's Ben Daniels. Ben, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. I got that reference this time. Yeah, there we go. I'm glad you finally meant referencing an Atlanta song that uh, actually means something. Sure, fair enough. Um,
2: (laughs) Ben, I I, I think, you know, after this weekend, it's important to ask, uh, you know, with a chatter on the internet, have Spurs ever done anything as embarrassing as what Dortmund just did?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen all the memes. It's the spursiest thing possible to collapse the title on the last day of the season when you have it in your in your hands uh, against like the ninth place team in the league. That's something that we've done so many times. I understand why it's a common punchline. And there's certainly no other team from North London who did something similar that's worth making a joke about. So yeah, all the all the jokes were really good and clever and and smart.
2: It's very
1: – I was very annoyed by it. <laughs> I don't
2: I, know. We, we've never done yeah. anything that bad. But
1: I, I, I know we talked about how we're always the fucking punchline, and it's so annoying. But, like, the laziest meme accounts. Like, it's it's right there. You, I, from A to B, Dortmund and Arsenal did the exact same thing this season. How are you bringing us into this? Why are we even in this conversation? Well, that's, that's I, I think –
2: I think that's something, like, and don't get me wrong, like, Spurs have done a lot in recent years, and especially this year, to deserve, you know, getting clowned on. But, you know, this season, somehow, we're catching more strays than Arsenal, who completely threw away a title that they, like, you know, when they were in first place for, like, 200 days or whatever the hell it was. And Chelsea, who is somehow a bigger mess than we are, and neither of them Catch the amount of shit we do. It really, really is irritating.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand how this keeps happening. As a Twitter friend of ours, Tweet Good Mac pointed out the other day. Since the Big Six era has sort of happened, Spurs have never been the worst team among the Big Six, and yet,
2: and it's still true this year. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, that is, like, looking at Chelsea in particular, I find it so aggravating that every couple of years they just be clown themselves, don't qualify for Europe, don't finish in the top half, and I guess because they're rich, no one, like, thinks it's worthy of comment.
0: Well, I mean, they do tend to follow up that shitty season with a league title, so... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so
2: this is our year.
0: <laughs> or or it's Chelsea's year. Who Who knows?
2: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what wasn't (laughs) our year is the year we just fucking played. Uh, This was an awful season. And I think it's worth remembering. We did it on this podcast. I don't think we were alone. I think a lot of Spurs fans thought we had an outside shot at the title um, coming into this year, considering how we played down the stretch last year, considering that, you know, we thought certain teams were due to fall off, like Liverpool, even City. Uh, you know, I, I I wasn't sure I didn't you know, I wouldn't have put money on us winning the title, but I thought we were going to have a strong campaign and it was really anything but.
0: Yeah, I think the thing was we all kind of questioned how we would make up the gap on city, especially with them signing Holland and all that sort of stuff. But like I I, I personally coming into the season, I felt like we were going to be the second best team. Um, you know, I certainly didn't think that Arsenal would be as good as they were, you know, Liverpool seemed to be kind of aging out. Like Chelsea was, I don't know, weird. Um, yeah. And it, it kind of felt like we were going to do that through the early part of the season for the, you know, the first couple months, we, we weren't like inspiring, but the results were good. And, you know, I think we just kind of talked ourselves into, you know, oh, well, this is us kind of managing what we're doing. We've got the mid-season World Cup, and so, like, we're trying to, you know, play in a certain way until that's over, and then we'll kind of, you know, open it up and do the more expansive attacking stuff that we did at the end of the prior year. And that just never came to fruition. And, you know, I... (laughs) It's It's been just a really shitty season basically since, what, the end of September?
1: My favorite, looking back in hindsight, my favorite kind of rationalization for that period was that we were playing badly on purpose and not trying that hard for a large stretch of the game because it was all part of Conte's master plan to save our legs for the second half of the season.
0: Meanwhile, he was having him run like, what, two or three kilometers pre-match or something like that. Like, we didn't find out
2: till much later. And it would have made a lot of things make sense.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, hindsight is we were all just really, really hoping and really sad and desperate. And I think... I wanna, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Sorry. No, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, it's hard to remember that we won the first 10 games of the season with only one loss. And, you know, even after that, we're still like in it until the World Cup break. And, you know, I don't remember coming back from the World Cup thinking, like, we were good. But I kind of thought, like, okay, well, we're not good, but we're here. And now we can push on because we've accumulated a decent number of points so far. And just no- nothing was true about, <laughs> about this team having any kind of plan or competence or anything, really. <laughs> well,
0: and I think the thing that's, like really disappointing about this year is is you look at some the individual performances not just the team but the individuals and did anybody other than harry kane have a a good season benton core and i mean he hasn't played for three and a half months you know like so i mean it's kind of a a weird lost year for everyone like, you know, Sonny did kind of pick it up a little bit down the stretch, but I nowhere near the the level he'd been at, you know, Kulisevsky regressed, Hoyberg regressed, Dyer regressed, um, you know, even Christian Romero had, uh, you know, some moments where he was not great. Um, none of the fullbacks were were very good. Oliver Skipp's development stagnated. Hugo Larice, you know, Frazier Ford. Like, there's just nobody. Like, that you can look at and say, oh, you know, they developed this year or they made progress or, like, they're at the top of their game. Like, it's just Harry Kane. And it, it's just, like, that to me is frustrating because it's, you know, we talked a lot. You know the last few months about having things to hope about like whether that was a manager or whatever the case may be like just from the player perspective like it's really hard to look at this group of guys and be like oh w- with a different manager and one or two signings we're going to be good next year
2: I, I mean i guess you look at this team and it, it's this mixture i think it's worth commenting on it's this mixture of Poor management on the one hand, because I think you got to say that this team was not handled well this year, um, regardless of what else happened, and just bad luck with injuries. Like, you know, how would I evaluate Richarlison's year? It wasn't a success. Is that his fault? Did he not adapt well? Did he not play well? Like, maybe a little, but, like, that guy was hurt all season. And, you know, I don't know if that's because Conte was running him ragged or our medical team sucks or he just had bad luck this year. You know, Bentoncourt, you can make a real argument. Spurs are, you know, in Europe or even the Champions League. Bentoncourt just stays healthy all season. I mean, they, they, this. you really look at when he started missing games for us, we started dropping points. Now, you know, you want to be a Champions League-level club, you probably shouldn't be that relying on a single player. But still, you know, you know it's this... Go ahead, No,
1: you, you go ahead, Albert.
2: No, it's just this bad... It's just everything kind of went wrong. It's It's funny because on the one hand... You look at, like, if we were talking about this last summer and talking about what do Spurs need to do to have a real shot at, like, making a run at the title, or at least, like, being kind of in the conversation. And it's like, Liverpool need to fall off, check. City need a slow start or just not need to be not as dominant as they were a year ago. Also kind of happened. Harry Kane needs to have a great year. That happened. I mean, a lot of things did kind of line up for this squad. And then internally, like... Other than like Brian said, other than Harry Kane, nothing went right for this team uh, with, again, maybe the exception of Benton Corp's play. I mean, no one developed. No one had a standout year.
1: One other player, the least the most surprising player to have had a positive year, I think, in the squad, Emerson Royale. I think he defied a lot of expectations And by the end of the season. we were all pretty pleased to see him in the team. So I have, as someone who personally gave him endless amounts of shit, uh, way to go. Way to go, buddy.
2: It's, I don't know. It was just, it was a bad season and nothing went right. Like all of Conte's friends died. Our fitness coach died. You know, Conte. Yeah, it was just like nothing. Like, like the management was checked out. Everything could have gone wrong. A pair of teach went wrong. It was just like for all the things that we like, like, it was this mix of like, and I understand one feeds into the other, but like Spurs made some bad decisions and also nothing went our way and just like sort of magnified the mistakes that we'd made. And it was frustrating. It was a really aggravating year. And I think even if you think Spurs had a bad summer, Spurs didn't do the things they should have done, which I think in retrospect we can say is true. It's just even even by that standards, I think this was a particularly just disastrous season for Spurs in ways they both in ways they could and could not control. Oh, Brian, you're muted. At least someone's consistent in in Tottenham.
0: You know, look, I try to be committed to my one good bit. Um, (laughs) So uh, I think, you know, good Kane and good. Hungman's Son have papered over the cracks for, you know, the last three years, kind of like since Pochettino's firing. And this was the first year where um, we didn't have good son and even good Harry Kane couldn't paper over all the cracks. Like, I, I guess I didn't really realize how many goals he had until, you know, this last game where he hits mm-hmm. the 30 mark. And, I think I was listening to the Extra Inch earlier this week, and they mentioned that, you know, no club in in Premier League history has had a a 30-goal-a-season scorer and then finished this low in the league. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, if you have a striker that scores 30 goals, you finish higher. And, you know... Another one for the
1: trophy cabinet.
0: Yep, yep. You'll never sing that, will you, Arsenal? Fuck you guys. Um, No, I don't... And it's just... It, it's not like he's like a goal hanger or, you know, that he's selfish or anything like he he's doing things to bring other players into the team like he he's facilitates and he scores and then still we're just trash. And so, um, you know, I, I think him having an actual healthy season, having a good finishing season, like imagine where we would be without, you know, some of those goals i mean i think we've all seen the graphics going around that are like you know we his goals netted us something like 28 or 30 points or something like that and without them you know that's how much worse we'd be but like (laughs) we'd also change the way we play without
2: i mean it's that is both instructive somebody
1: else would have played (laughs) striker
2: Somebody else would have maybe. scored at least some of those goals. Um, maybe. But maybe I don't know the way this year went. Maybe not. You're right. Um,
1: I think it's crazy to see that son, as bad of a season as he had, and as washed as he looked, finished with 10 goals and six assists, which is a pretty like respectable campaign. You know, it's not the guy who was you know won the Golden Boot last year, but it's not like too far off what most of his seasons with Spurs have been until he kind of exploded the last year or two. Like, I well, think amazing what still, happens when he doesn't have a coach making him run suicide drills before each game. Like, right. So, like, there is, you know, to just try and, like, pull an optimistic thread out of the disaster that was his season. It was, like, there's still reason to believe, or hope at least, that Sun could be good again on a kind of season-long basis next year.
0: Yeah, I think the only concern is that, you know, what, like, for or four or five of those goals basically come in like a two or three game stretch. And, you know, I, I don't know. I know we're, we're all just picking it thing. I don't know. Like I, I I agree with you, Ben. I think, you know, the numbers and the way he ended up, like it's fine, but it's such a drop off from where we were. And then also like the eye test on him for so much of the year was so bad uh, that it's, you know, now you're kind of wondering, like, do we have to, you know, bring somebody in to, you know, compete with him, to back him up, to, you know, be a rotation option with him? Like,
2: God, we have
0: one. His name
2: is Richardson. Like, I mean, if he's actually able to play.
0: Well, but, you know, Richarlison has to play striker because Harry Kane's going to Real Madrid.
2: Well, so, so that's. You Harry Kane's year I think sort of engenders an interesting conversation because on the one hand I mean Harry Kane had one at least on paper one of the best years of his career and look where we finished you know we're not even in Europe this year on the other hand I think a lot of people who call for Harry Kane to get sold are radically underestimating how much of a problem that could be and that's putting aside any of the sort of emotional or romantic concerns with getting rid of him you know like again i i want to be very clear i don't think i'm not one of these people who's like oh well harry kane scored 28 you know got us 28 points by his goals alone i understand other players would have earned some of those points but it's gonna be really i mean that's gonna leave a big hole in this team and I understand that Harry Kane can't press like he used to. I understand he limits, or, you know, and we'll talk about this with the potential new coach that we're going to discuss in a few minutes. I understand that he limits the way we want to play in some ways, but also Harry Kane scores a shitload of goals. He assists a lot more uh, more on top of that. It's, I don't know. I feel not like not sure. a lot of the people who want him sold have been betting on his decline for like four years now, and I understand he's not getting any younger, but like, I don't I'm not sure how much I'd take those odds is all I'm
1: saying. I'm not betting on his decline. I'm just recognizing that he has one year left in his contract. Yes. So we have two options. We can sign him for another five years and say, we're all going to be happy for you to finish your career here. And we're not going to recoup anything in the transfer market because we're going to have you forever. And that's fine. That's one path. Like it's not maybe optimal because you're, having to bet that his decline doesn't happen and you're absorbing a lot of downside risk over the later por- portion of that contract. But like, that's at least a plan. The other option is to say, okay, we've got one year left. We have to sell him and we can take whatever we can get for him and plow that back into the team to figure out how to replace those shots and those goals and that creativity and all of the things that he does for us, which is a ton of things. What we can't do is say, we're not letting you leave this summer give us another year and then hope that he decides to sign another contract later and risk losing him for a free next summer, because that's just not tenable. Like that's just not an option because now we don't have the money to reinvest in replacing him. And as we all know, he does so many things that need replacing that you can't do that with the way we spend money. So, you know, I'm, I'm pro selling him just because I don't think, we're going to get him to agree to see out the rest of his contract at this club. I mean, I think an
0: ideal, an ideal situation would be, he signs like a one year extension with a, you know, a big pay raise and then to just to preserve his value for, you know, this or the winter window. And then, you know, you don't have to play this game with other teams where they're like, Oh, well, you know, uh," but Why would Charlie Kane do that?
1: I don't agree because I think we're at a point where we're saying like, this is kind of a reset button. What does the future of this team look like? And we need to know, is that going to be five years of Harry Kane that we're planning around? Or is that going to be no Harry Kane that we're planning around? But going into the summer and just saying, we'll figure it out next year. It just makes it harder. It was like, we can't buy anyone to compete with Harry Kane this year um, if he's going to stay in the end, and we can't not do that if he might leave in a year. It's just, it's, that's, you can't split the difference here. Like, we have to make a decision. Yeah. Right?
0: I mean, we'll we, we will play. try to split the difference. Yeah,
1: well, I mean I, I think don't think right. we will.
2: I think we're going to try to sign him to an extension, and I think, like, what worries me is Levy is going to just think, well, you know, if I can't do it this summer, I'll do it over the course of the next season, which is not a great idea. I think a lot of Spurs fans are underrating the let's extend Harry Kane, you know, for a three, four, whatever the hell your deal it is. I think that is a more, I think that is a viable option. And I think frankly, it's something we should be trying to do. And uh, some of that, I'm not being rational. It's, it's, you know, it's a romantic thing. I think Kane should be here through the bulk of his productive career, or all of it. um, You know, I, I think that's what we should try to do. I think he's good enough that I'm not, Terribly worried about his decline. Obviously, you would want a new coach or a new director of football to have some input on that. But you know, it is what it is. I, I, I think they should be trying to keep Kane around.
1: Um, I, I'm, again, I'm so fine with that decision. For
2: nothing. That is, you're you're correct about that, Ben.
1: Like, I'm fine to say we're planning around Harry Kane. But like, if we still don't have a director of football, we still don't have a head coach. Like, to make that decision without any of those people in place, without any sense of what building around Harry Kane is going to look like is like it's a decision. It's the kind of decision that has like led us here in the past where we've just, you know, Daniel Levy has decided things for the club and people are have to kind of navigate the spaces in between those decisions and pick up the pieces as best as they can. I would feel much better about any decision we make if we had the decision makers lined up to operate with that framework but this
2: tomorrow. is uh, you're, i mean you're right you're, you're you are correct that would make me feel better that's something they should be involved in but the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter who we bring in or how competent they are or how good at their jobs they are the fact of the matter is harry kane right now is probably bigger than any of these people or bigger than any of these people are ever going to be and you know arguably this is the kind of arbitrary cutout that they're going to just have to live with and you know again director of football should have some say in this. A manager should have some say in this, but you know, given who Kane is, given how he plays, like there's just a part of me. that's like, I just, just keep him around. Like I, I would like to see that happen. I, I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see Harry Kane in a Manchester United Jersey. I don't want to see him in a Chelsea Jersey. If he walks out of here next year, you know, I think this is a guy where he's being linked with Real Madrid right now. I'm sorry. I'm not going to believe that till he's mangling Spanish, like Gareth Bale in, in Spain, Um, this is a guy i think he wants to break shearer's record and if he's going to do it he's going to stay this isn't the kind of thing he's going to come back in two years or whatever and do i I, you know i just want to see him stay in a Spurs shirt and i think he's good enough that we'll be able to figure it out but you know in an ideal world you're right ben we want decision makers like to have a say in this
1: i think the fact that he is so much bigger than all these people you're talking about is also a concern like i'm Grateful for who he is and what he's done and I love watching him play and I know that we will never see his like again. I mean, he's literally the best striker in 20 years to come out of England. Like it's not it's not up for debate and it's not likely we're going to see that again anytime soon. Certainly not in Spurs. Um, But having a guy who dictates and exudes so much gravity over our entire decision making process doesn't make rebuilding things easy. You're right, right? but it's,
2: a, it, it's also the way it works. This happens with Toddy at Roma. It happens with Raul at Madrid. Even Madrid, Real Madrid. This happened with Raul Real Madrid to a large extent.
1: Right, and they didn't get good until it's Raul not left.
2: I mean, well, you know, I don't think, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, I, but that's the thing, like... Do you think there's a Roma fan who thinks, like, oh, they really held us back, that we had Toddy at the end and we, like, missed out on one or two titles? Like, you know, that we bear? do you think losing Toddy at the end of his career was the difference between finishing second and first that one year? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's just—it's a kind of thing where, it, like, it, it's just is what it is. And I, I understand maybe how things should work, but, you know, like, Daniel Levy's not going to want to lose Harry Kane. And Harry Kane ha- his profile at the club is what it is. And it's just— You know, it's going to come down to, like, does Harry Kane want to be here? And does Harry Kane want to make the, you know, I think he's probably not making more money than he's going to make at Spurs. We'll see. I mean, if he walks in a year, he might. So maybe he's willing to do that. I mean, at his age, that's a big risk. I mean, if he goes to Madrid, he's definitely making more money. I think, don't underestimate what Tottenham Hotspur is willing to pay Harry Kane is all I would say to that. Um
1: I mean, look, there's a reason clubs like Madrid and Bayern and Manchester United and Chelsea are like in this conversation because he is that good and he yeah. is worth whatever. But like, <laughs> I don't trust us to do a good job in any situation. So I guess I might as well have the guy who makes me happy. Like, that's kind of where it kind of comes down. But
2: I, I it's just going to be interesting because I think there is, we're seeing this thing around world football and I certainly understand if there's like part of Harry Kane's brain that's like this club's a fucking mess I want to go somewhere I want to win something I'm tired of people talking about me not winning trophies I get that but at the same time you know we're seeing like Messi wants to go to the Middle East because Barcelona can't meet their price like Lionel Messi couldn't be like yeah just like you know pay me X amount a year, and I'll come to Barcelona. Like there isn't like an accommodation that could be reached there. You know, Benzema is about to go to the Middle East. Like all these players, just I don't know. Like there's something to be said for romance, and I don't want to say loyalty because that's not the right thing. But there's something to be said for like doing this something other than a paycheck, or for some like you know, if Harry Kane goes to Real or goes to Real Madrid and wins La Liga, like is that going to really change how we evaluate Harry Kane? I mean, maybe it'll change how he feels about his career, but like. You know, there's something about I I think especially with Kane is like I feel like the whole like made good at his boyhood club and took them to like the heights of Europe is, you know, I think there's a real like I think that's really baked into like his legacy and who he is. And I think it'd be a real shame for him to go like, you know, oh, he wins a league cup at Manchester United. All right, great. Like, you know.
1: Yeah, it's I agree that it that's a bullshit legacy. And, like, going to Man U or Chelsea, like, they're not more likely to win anything meaningful than we are, frankly. Well, they have more so, money
2: than we do, so they're so, more likely to sort their shit out. But
1: Yeah, not in, not in time for Harry Kane to capitalize on that at this point in his career. Like, yeah, go to Madrid, go to Bayern. Like, he'd probably win three or four league titles and maybe a Champions League along the way. Like, I get that. But then he can't break Shearer's record. So he's in a tough spot because he does want that individual – record. He can smell it, he can taste it, it's there. Um, But there's nowhere for him to go. Like, he really should have gone to City when he had the chance. But there's also, but even that, it's like
2: I I understand, like, maybe that would have been different, because he's in this great Pep Guardiola team, they win a Champions League, whatever. You know, you can't put a price on all that stuff, but it's like I don't know. I think there's something to be said for, I think if Harry Kane if Harry Kane won the FA Cup next year, I think it would be a much bigger deal for him than most of what he could win in his career because you know he goes to united he goes to city he's just another fucking mercenary there who they brought in who has no connection with the fans no connection with the club and you know you could say that about any i guarantee
1: you you care about that more than any of the players in City lifting titles every year
2: you're (laughs) absolutely right you're absolutely right i just wish like i said it's not even like and I, i and i'm obviously saying this as a spurs fan who wants this thing to happen but like I don't know. I wish there was like a just a slightly larger amount of romance in football than we have right now, because like the idea that like you look at the situation Messi's in and it's like the he isn't just like, yeah, I'll take a pay cut and go back to Barcelona and like, you know, end my career there. Instead, he's talking about like, you know, playing in South, in the Saudi league. Like, who gives a shit? Like, no one's going to watch any games he plays there. Come on.
0: I mean, he could have came to Inter-Miami, but now that Phil Neville's gone, I mean, You're he's right. not going to be playing for a world-class coach anymore. So well, why would you? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's
1: why we have to hire him at Spurs immediately to keep yeah, Harry Kane. Yeah, so we
0: could have Messi. I don't
2: know. I'm being selfish. I'm probably being foolish, but it's just something that where it's like, I think Harry Kane has something really special at Spurs, and I don't think it's going to be any. Like, I'm sure he'll love his Champions League trophy or his Premier League winning medal. And I'm sure he cares about that more than anything I care about here. But I think it's a shame that he would, like, give up on that, even though Spurs are a fucking hot mess. And, you know, probably not likely to win anything major in the next few years. But, you know, I think that's a really cool thing he has at Spurs. And I think it's a shame that he might walk away from that.
0: I think that this time around, um, unlike when he was linked with the the man city move like i think this time i'm at least more understanding about why he would choose to leave at this time because with the man city thing like it kind of felt like it was at a time where the possibility of us winning something was much more tangible and and now you know with the mess the last couple years have been the last 18 months anyway. Like, it just, it, it feels like we're further away from that in terms of, you know, not just league position, but, like, just the the overall shape of the squad, like we just discussed in, like, the first half of the show. Like, I just... If, he also has
2: three years left on his deal.
0: Right, exactly. And so, like, if he, you know, now it's not a, a question of, like, a gentleman's agreement with Levy. It's it's like Ben said, it's a question of what is this club and what does Harry Kane want his specific legacy to be? Um, is Spurs and Shearer's record that important to him? Or is it trophies? And for us, is it is is Kane and what he represents important? Or is it, you know, a rebuild? And, you know, honestly, I think I'm fine, whatever the answer to, to that is. Like... I, I that's not to say I won't be upset with Kane leaves. Cause I absolutely will be, but I will understand his motivations and I will understand why the club did it at this time. Like, I mean, I don't want him to go for like 25 million or something like that, but like, you know, if we get 60 or 70 for him, I, I think that's fine.
2: Yeah. What city was offering two years ago is a lot more acceptable now than it was then. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. You know, I think Harry Kane is really the thing to talk about from the Leeds game. There's not much else. I think the one other thread to sort of pull out of it was this is Lucas's last game for Spurs. I feel like he had, like, three curtain calls over, like, four games or whatever it was for his team, which is, frankly, a little ridiculous. But, you know, I think um, Lucas leaves a complicated legacy behind, at least for fans like us. Ben, how do you feel about Lucas as he exits the club?
1: Fuck Lucas. Like I, I, I am grateful for Amsterdam. That was one magical game. Like I mean, I would be lying if I said it wasn't like the high point of being a fan of this team for the last however many fucking years it's been. Uh, but the baggage of him and his fascist, homophobic, just piece of shit person around this club, I am I would be so happy to see the back of him. And also, besides that one game, I have also watched him be fucking dog shit for so much of his time at this club. And, you know, like every time we got a new manager, they thought, oh, we can see if this guy can cook, and he fucking couldn't, and he was just taking tons of minutes from better players and miserable to watch on the pitch and that one day does not outweigh all of those games where i had to watch him dribble into dead ends kick the ball into somebody's shins like he fucking was not that good and
0: remember if- this summer when we talked ourselves into him being a wingback back. <laughs> Like, Conte played him in a, as a wingback in, like, one preseason friendly. And we're like, oh, we've solved it, guys. We've got the situation figured yeah, out.
1: maybe Conte figured out a way to make this guy not suck. But turns out, nope.
2: He was a... And Conte I,
1: sucks, too.
2: I think he was exactly the kind of player this team needed. I mean, I'm not... We'll get into... I'm not speaking about his off-the-field stuff, but... He was exactly the type of player this team needed, sort of, like, off-the-bench or a rotational player, until, like... I don't know. Like, I, I think Mourinho's first year here was probably the last time that you could justify having him on the roster. We definitely should have gotten rid of him after, like, maybe the COVID year. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, it's been hard to justify him. You know, he's been, you know, that goal he scored against Leeds, he's been trying to score that goal, like, certainly over the last few years. And like you said, Ben, just dribbling into a dead end. I mean... He had his moments. He was, you know, he's like that good player you can bring in or ask to play when someone's hurt. But he's been bad for a while now. And he just hangs around because he had that moment in Amsterdam and I think all his teammates like him. But, like, it's been rough. And, I, you know, I think the last few games are a perfect metaphor. It's like he just keeps showing up after. It's like, you know, it's like, like, I get he means something to the fan base, but it's like, why do you keep getting major cameos on this team like i think it was at the villa game where they brought him in like the 60th minute and it's like you know like like this game like ryan mason wants to do what he does with lucas in this game like i'm gonna bring him on in stoppage time all right fine like whatever especially in his last game but like why is he playing real minutes for us down the stretch when we have like dan juma's on the bench other players are on the bench um it's 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 also he did get
1: he did get Nuno fired. I guess that's the he other thing. Did get Nuno thing. fired?
2: You're right. You're right. So he did. It was after that. It was after.
1: That. Um. Yeah. It's. It's. It's.
2: I don't think he's got repugnant beliefs, and it's really hard to root for a player who does that, especially someone who keeps doubling down on it in the way that he did. Like he can't. You know, it's like. You watch enough sports, there's the uncomfortable—you know, you come to this sort of uncomfortable realization after once you get old enough. Like, the less I know about these guys' politics, probably the better, because, you know, we're probably not going to enjoy the politics of a lot of athletes who don't— you know, I don't want to say don't think too deeply about the issues, but, you know, given the backgrounds of where athletes are from and certain things, you just probably don't want to know a lot about that. And Lucas just kept rubbing it in our face one way or another, whether it was just, you know, what he was liking on Twitter, DMing Spurs fans about— you know, about Bolsonaro saying stuff about trans people. It's just like, it just rubs in your face in a way where it's like, I mean, it's never good, but you couldn't ignore it. And it's, you know, I think that stuff's going to probably going to be forgotten by and large by Spurs fans, but yeah, I'm never going to be super thrilled to see him. Even though, like you said, Ben, like, I mean, forget Spurs. That's probably the best sporting moment of my life that I can think of. Like the most excited I've been in a specific moment in time. And you know, I wish that he was a better person or, you know, I was able to enjoy the player as much as I enjoyed the um, the moment.
1: Right, and I, I hate that that experience is, at least for me, tainted with the knowledge of who that fucking guy is and what a piece of shit he is. Like, I don't, I don't want that. You know, I remember when we signed Serge Aurier, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, the homophobic comments he made and whatever, and like, a lot of fans are willing to like look past that because we thought we were getting a superstar, and like that whole aspect of fandom I find really, really repulsive. And the way people have made peace with Lucas's beliefs and behavior because of that moment has been really gross to have to sort of sit with for four years now. And you know, the fact that he is still kicking around this club when Eric Lamella got dumped, who, you know, not not about the politics thing, but, like, a guy who equally loved to be here, equally was, you know, kind of a half-fit, marginally useful guy, whatever. But, like, Eric Lamella was never a fucking piece of shit. Eric Lamella is still playing at a high level, winning European trophies, you know, like, I am really salty about having to be stuck with the fucking fascist for this many years while our special favorite boy is is no longer here and uh, how, who who made that decision and why did you make a decision that made me sad specifically on so many different axes i i don't like and well so, maybe we
0: can sell brian heel to sevilla and they will send us back eric lamella
1: now you're
0: cooking. We yeah. can just undo the whole thing that we did before, and it'll be fine. We'll
1: throw in Lucas. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I yeah. I, I think for me, you know, I I agree with everything Ben just said. Like, it, it is hard for for me to divorce Lucas as a person from the stuff on the field. Like, you know, I also really enjoyed the Manchester City game that was in that run. And you know what? Fernando Llorente does not have any repugnant beliefs that I'm aware of. And he's very handsome. Um, and, And so, like, you know, when I hear people say things like, oh, he'll be like a club legend or a cult hero because he scored that goal against Ajax in Amsterdam. Like, I don't like that. Like, that goal is important. And, like, that match is, like Greg said, like one of the highlights of my entire sports fandom. But uh, you know, Lucas's association with it does sort of kind of sour the moment a little. But good that he's gone. Great.
1: So try to focus on that really cool deli assist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he's gone. I am glad that I am glad that he's gone because he's personally repugnant and I'm glad because we were not gonna have yet another manager. Take a look at his speed and dribbling ability and be like, oh, yeah, we should we should give him meaningful minutes. We I never mean, the have big question again.
0: the big question is who replaces him in that role? Like who's going to be like the new try hard that the new manager will like? And it's going to be Oliver Skip.
1: It's Oliver. Skip. Uh, it's already Oliver. Skip.
0: Yeah, so so, you know, that's fine. But like, I just wish it would be somebody who's actually good.
2: Well, a lot of Spurs fans already pretend that Skip's a member of the EDL anyway, so you know it should be a natural transition. He's on the um, leadership committee, isn't that basically what that is? <laughs> oh my God, Brian! <laughs> we should point out we have no evidence that Oliver Skip subscribes to right wing politics. Um, well, have we, you seen his face? I, no, I've seen his haircut, but that's not you know enough to go on. So because I've also seen Phil Foden's haircut, but um, yeah. So, but you know what? The important thing is fucking Lucas Mora is finally gone. So We'll just have to see him show up at like halftime every now and then, which is, you know, not going to be fun, but it's better than
0: watching him dribble into a wall. <laughs> and uh, that right. was Greg's child expressing his displeasure <laughs> at uh, the departure of Lucas Mora. Cause uh, Greg's kid's a little fascist. So good job, Greg. <laughs> Oh my god, Brian. Just saying.
1: Apple Ugh. doesn't fall that far from the tree. the fuck?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we all know that you're a big Franco fan. Yes, yes, huge, huge that's, Franco fan. That's kind of one of your defining characteristics.
2: Everyone just a knows
0: big this. Francoista or whatever.
2: Everyone knows this. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of a graceful way to transition out of this, so I'm just going to shift gears. Uh looking away from this match, uh
1: are we Spurs talking about to... a match? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> uh Spurs are trying to hire a new manager. Last week we were all pretty confident that they had found their man in Arn slot. Um and that's not happening. Um I don't know. It, it it seemed like a fait accompli the way the press was talking about it, and now it's not happening. Uh, we're gonna get to the guy that we are being linked with as the new fate accompli in a minute. But Ben, I'll start with you. How do you feel like, how do you feel about the fact that Slot's not gonna be our manager?
1: I don't care that Slot's not gonna be the manager. I think what I care about is how badly the club has managed the sort of PR messaging side around this manager search. It's just like, you have the ability to leak to the press. You have the ability to control the fan perception and the climate around the club. And, you know, it was was too nailed on in the press for it to have been like, accidental reporting that the club wasn't involved in or didn't have the opportunity to like, you know, pour cold water on or something. And it got everybody's hopes up for this guy and got everybody to spend days and days talking themselves into why this is a great manager. And like, it doesn't ultimately matter. You know, you see every time a a name gets linked, we all go through the same process of like, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, wait, I actually think I love this guy oh, we're not hiring him, I fucked this guy, he's stupid. No, actually, fuck Daniel Levy, how did he fuck this up? This was my favorite guy ever, I can't believe he blew this. And then you got another guy, you're like, eh, fuck that other guy, now I'm into this guy. And, like, it's a cycle, it's a process, we do it every time, and it's fine, and it's not the end of the world, but, like, it is deeply annoying. Especially having to record a podcast about this stuff, it's especially annoying. But, like, just the... Climbing around this club and fandom has just been so ugly for so long that, like, it does not create a great fan atmosphere. And I think, more importantly, to the managerial search, it just makes the club look sloppy and bad in the press in a way that if you're a guy, you know, from the Dutch league looking at, you know, who's Tottenham Hotspur, and all you see is like the messy shit in the media around us, like, that doesn't inspire confidence and say yeah this is a place a club that's going places that i want to hitch my wagon to and be a part of and so you know i think all of that stuff is the thing i'm most annoyed about it sounds like from the actual what happened angle here is that we were prepared to buy out his contract for something like five million or something reasonable and he wanted to take two assistants and a fitness coach with him and Feynord said okay well all of that's going to be 20 million and we balked i think reasonably that's a very high price to pay for a guy with his resume when we have other candidates to look at and i think as soon as that happened he you know he very quickly said okay fuck it i'm re with Feynord.' and that's the piece that we don't really know about and that's the piece that i'm like very puzzled by Like, if he wanted to come to Spurs, he could have made things difficult for Feyenoord. He could have said, you know what, I'm not re-signing. I'm going to, like, see how these negotiations go. But he decided to sign an extension, like, immediately, like, the next day. And that's a little weird. And that kind of says to me that he wasn't that committed to coming here in the first place. And so, on that angle, I'm not, like, I don't feel bad that we missed him because it didn't sound like he's that dying to come here. I don't know. What do you
0: think, Brian? Well, I was just going to say that, you know, uh, on the thing of controlling the narrative, I think that's, like, the one of the most disappointing parts about this. Like, this is two big manager searches in a row that, you know, not to, not to say that we've bungled this one yet, but, like, it certainly has the appearance that we're fucking it up in the media. And, like, you take a look at, like, chelsea who is also a mess behind the scenes and who also has their own inherent weirdness and you know the reporting has basically been for the last 30 days that it's pochettino's job and they're not looking at other candidates and it's his and they're just waiting till the end of the season to announce and like that could have been the position that we were in Or we could have been in the position where, like you said, Ben, we briefed to the press, like, hey, we're talking to a bunch of guys, we've liked, you know, these three guys, and then, you know, we're waiting for the end of the season, but, like, we let the narrative kind of get out of our control, and it has made us look stupid, probably rightly, but, like, as a football club, like, you should be able to control that a little better, and and we just did it. And, you know, I'm like you. You know, whoever the manager is at this point, you know, we're all kind of if, if it's not Nogglesman and it's not Pochettino, then we're kind of talking about like the same tier of guys. Right. Like we're just like that's to to me, Schlot versus Amarim versus Pasticoglu versus, you know, whatever. Like that's all kind of six of one half dozen of the other. Like there's questions, there's things to like, there's you know whatever. And 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 so whether it's schlot or not, like I don't care about that, but I do care about us looking stupid.
1: Yeah. And like aren't Levy and company tired of looking stupid? Like they get the paper. They have to know that like this is not a good look for us. But I mean, every
2: The one thing we've heard, we've heard it from all the reporters, the beat reporters, is like, once they fire Conte, they were determined for this not to be like the new no search. Like, they were determined not to have this blow up in our face. They were keeping things really tight and private for a long time. And, you know, I don't know how this happened. Clearly, there's a degree of, at a minimum, Spurs allowed the speculation to continue. I don't know if agents were talking out of school or whatever cuz i think slot was clearly interested in coming here i mean he was talking about assistance he was going to bring what bothers me is like if you're spurs and you're confident is going to get over the line that's one thing but like you hadn't talked to finor yet you were still conducting interviews with other you know clearly they were still interested in other managers and you know again maybe like I have some sympathy for like Feyenoord was able or willing to play hardball in a way you just didn't anticipate. Like you said, Ben Slot signing an extension was super weird. Like that they just like he just he didn't put up a fight. He wasn't like mad. He was like, well, I don't want to come back here next year. I want to go to Spurs. Um, that's all weird. But like, even if you have like the most charitable version of what happened to Spurs here, it you look like an idiot. And like you said, the the atmosphere is toxic. The fans are pissed you know if you have to hire another manager and i agree with brian like you're once you get past Nogles, I mean, it's kind of like you know they're all you know some are better than others you can like one more than the rest they have all their pluses and minuses but they're in the same ballpark and you know you're making life harder like i think you can see it now pasta 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 you know i was getting it right all day and now i can't pronounce it pasta coglu. pasta carglu there we go sorry Pasta Coglu is like getting all this grief. There's like you know obviously the dumbest elements, of Spurs fan, are doing say no to Pasta, Pasta Coglu. But it's you know he's getting a level of grief right now. That if like Spurs had had what was described as mild interest in slot, and then like mm, the, like the the price is too high, we don't want to get him. You know we didn't walk too far down that road, or it didn't appear we walked too far down that road. You know I don't think people will be as up and you know up in arms about this you know, potentially hiring the manager of Celtic. Like it's they're not doing themselves any favors. Whoever we hire as a manager, like I think the only two managers who could have walked in here and gotten tons of instant goodwill from the fans were Nogglesman and Pochettino. And I agree with you, Ben, that like we all like fall in love, we all do this stuff. So, you know, whoever we bring in short of a Nuno level manager, we're all gonna probably find reasons to be happy about it. Or certain, a lot of Spurs fans are going to find reasons to buy in until we're convinced otherwise. But, like, the way they handled slot has made whoever we end up hiring, and it looks like it's poslatago. Posla but, God, I can't fucking pronounce anything tonight. All right,
1: pasta? Like, eat pasta. Key, pasta. You're going to eat pasta. Yeah. Cog, like you're a cog in a machine. Pasta
2: And Lou,
1: like, hey, some guy All loo. All right,
2: anyway. Anyway, my point is, they're making life so much more difficult for this guy. It was already going to be difficult, given all the shit that he has to do just on the pitch. And they're making this his life so much harder by the way they messed up slot.
1: What's his name, Greg?
2: Pasta <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, it is... It, he is a weird hire. Uh, it's not... You know, I think if you told me when we fired Conte that you're going to hire the Celtic manager... You know, I, I, I don't think I would have been excited about that, um, you know, but I'm not going to pretend I've watched a whole lot of Celtic. I watched them play Real Madrid in the Champions League last year um, or in the group stage whenever they played them. And frankly, I, I was impressed at the time, like they really took it to Madrid. But like I haven't watched any of any of his Celtic, like until, you know, the last few days when I've watched like analysis videos of it. You know, it's like. We're all just guessing with this guy, and it's easy. Like we see, we've all seen the videos of him doing his team talks to like the Australian under 21s or whatever the hell it was, and you know some of his stuff at Celtic, and it's impressive. Like I, I can see how this guy's charismatic. You can buy it. if nothing else. Like I think having a character like that around the club is going to help the fans. It's going to help the team. You know, after Conte and Mourinho with their mixture of not wanting to be here and just being total assholes. I think a figure like that is going to really make some level of difference if he can get them to perform on the pitch, which is the big question.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the really important thing is is everybody complaining doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, the number of Coglu matches they've seen, you can count on probably zero hands, one if we're being charitable. Like, they don't know. They're People are just making things up based on... You know biases and impressions and you know vague ideas about what it means to manage celtic and other managers who've managed there recently you know they people form very strong opinions with very little information and then as information comes out and people who are very smart and do you know deep analysis dives and present those to you as a fan of a club in a different league you know suddenly people's opinions start to change because all of the opinions are fake and are are based on nothing, so I would say put zero stock in anyone's opinion on the internet. Uh, unless, they're, all, unless they're unless like they're like a Celtic like, fan. I have <laughs> watched this team. Here's what I think about how he plays, and here's why I think the way he plays will translate effectively into this club. Anything less than that is just just mute them on Twitter and just never listen to what they have to say again.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like they should care about our opinions, but yeah, otherwise.
1: Yeah, I mean, my opinion is just I have watched things from smarter, well-versed people who have said things that sound smart. And, you know, you know, I I think the fact that he was Brighton's first choice when Graham Potter went to Chelsea um, and he said, no, I'm seeing out the season at Celtic. And then they pivoted to to Disarby, like. I don't know that we do a good job, but I feel pretty confident that Brighton does a good job. And you know what? I My number one manager, based on what I've seen in England, is the guy that they got instead of Pasta when they couldn't get him. So if we can get him, I feel like we ended up in a pretty good place, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think where I'm at.
0: I think for me, like, I've been kind of, swayed by some of like the more you know romantic aspects of it like like you guys were talking about like the team talks he gives the australian under 21s or him you know uh you know speaking about you know what it means to manage it at celtic and all this like i want that again like i you know pochettino was the prime example of that someone who like bought into what we as the fans believed our culture was and who like appeared to be spreading the gospel of that like we we talked about him as being like a cult leader and and pasta does kind of give you that vibe in in a way that conte and Mourinho and nuno just didn't do and so like It really scratches that itch of like, oh, I like this guy. Like he seems, you know, genuine and good. And like, you you know, there's tons of videos about him talking about his father and, you know, the struggles that he went through as an immigrant from Greece to Australia. And you're like, oh, man, this guy is like motivational and sincere and you know all the things that like Not are a last... dickhead. yeah exactly and, and you know so I, I have seen zero celtic matches i'm gonna watch the cup final this weekend um but like I, I i have no understanding of what his football is other than by listening to other people that are much smarter than me but like i'm bought in just based on him in terms of personality like, I feel like he would give us the sort of feeling that we've been missing. And I'm not saying that Schlott wouldn't have given that us that or Nogglesman or any other manager who was actually good and came in here and played actual good and fun football. But just looking at clips, I can go, oh, yeah, I see it with this guy. I
2: think you've got to, I mean, without watching a ton of Celtic, or his other teams in like Japan or whatever, but you know I think you can only apply to him the same standards as we were applying to Slot, which is you know why was Slot impressive? Did well in Europe, won the won the league with Feyenoord in, in the Netherlands, almost won the league with OZ. These were all impressive achievements, and you know if you think that recommends Slot over over him, I totally understand that. But you look at what he's done at Celtic, won a ton of points, like has. Gotten them, you know, playing at a level against a much better Rangers team than say Brendan Rodgers was facing a couple years ago has really taken it to that league in an impressive way. And and I think the thing that really recommends him to me is Celtic fans fucking love this guy. Like you read anything about him, and you know it's just like Celtic fans are heartbroken he's leaving, and they all had the same reactions that we had when we were first linked to him. Like who is this guy? He's coming from Japan. What? Like I don't know, but you know, they're wildly impressive. He's done about as well as Celtic. Like, I'm not sure what else you could want out of him. Maybe slightly better performance in Europe. But even, like, you look at the sort of the breakdown of the numbers, Is Celtic's performance in Europe isn't all that awful, um, at least this past year. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, some of it is I just want us to be in a good situation again. And I'm just trying to talk myself into it a little bit. But I was doing that with Slot. Like, I mean, I, it's, it's the same thing. Um, you know, I think you're right, Brian. He is the type of manager that, you know, you look at the way he talks about his teams, the way he talks about football, um, which is stuff we have watched and can watch. Um, you look at his career arc, um, uh, you know, it's the kind of like, God, it would be great if a guy like this was success at Spurs. And frankly he also fits the i think he fits the mold of what we would be looking for at least on paper i don't know if it's going to be an actual success but you're talking about a guy who grinded his way through every level of football imaginable has not had any help like a steven gerrard or something and and, you know does have a commitment to attacking football uh you know he's not young like levy said and i think we'd all prefer someone who was a really young manager but if you talk about where he is in his career arc is exactly the kind of thing we're looking for i mean you guys were around prior to Red Nat, but this feels like a kind of a throwback to Martin Yole and that kind of, you know, that kind of manager, the kind of guy we would hire. And, you know, um, narratively, you know, it feels, it feels good. And he seems like the kind of guy we'd like, and I'm probably putting a higher premium on that than I should after, you know, the sort of shitheads we've had in this club for the last couple of years.
0: I mean, I saw a tweet today that was just basically, it was from a Celtic fan that was like, um, It said, you know, oh, I've seen a bunch of tweets from Spurs that are just, you know, mean and ignorant. And they're so bad that I really thought they were my tweets from two years ago. And, you know, it's just this is the reaction this guy gets. Like, you know, when he went to, you know, the J League from managing in Australia, I, I have to imagine the reaction there was the same to him. And then he wins, you know. A couple league titles, and then he goes to Celtic, and everyone's like, "Who's this fucking guy that was just managing in Australia and Japan?" And then he does what he does there, and so I don't know. I, I I just I I think we've 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 said this with everybody. Like, we just want some guy that wants to be here that doesn't feel like an asshole. Like, that 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 just connects with the fans and the fan base and what the actual like. Um, Ethos of the club is and fits stylistically with you know the the Tottenham way of doing things and not in the fake way that Daniel Levy made it out with the the Conte hired like like this is a thing that would actually possibly you know generate some good football.
1: Yeah, I think you know the other thing is like he's not that old like he's fifty seven which is you know old. Older than, you know, a lot of guys. But he's not, like... I mean, we've hired managers in their 60s before. Like, Roy Hodgen, Hodgson is, like, 97 years old. Like, he, Eric Ten Hag is, like, 53. He's only a few years younger than Pasta And, like, we've been happy to sign him. Like, it's not, like, a meaningful problem. And the fact is, is, like, it is hard to be young and successful in football unless you're, like, Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard or guys who are wrongly given opportunities that they haven't earned and aren't worthy of you know coming out of australia and and working your way into the top level of football is a time-consuming process because people aren't looking there people aren't crediting those experiences as meaningful you know and like you look at a guy like arson wenger who came out of fucking japan to dramatically revolutionized English football and had great, obviously great success with Arsenal. And it's like, if you looked at his resume, I think most of us would have been like, who the fuck is this guy? Grampus eight. That's not a real fucking team. And, you know, here he is. So, you know, I think none of that is,
0: I mean, he had managed Monaco for like seven years, but yeah, yeah.
1: but like a long time before, uh, doesn't matter. Like his most recent job was Japan, and sure. like all I'm saying is, is like you know people take the paths that they take, and it is not necessarily an indictment because football managerial hiring is not a strict meritocracy where cream rises quickly to the top from all walks of life. It just fucking doesn't. It's a dumb, dumb system, um, and we've seen it very close <laughs> at Spurs. So, you know, I think the real thing to be concerned about here is once again, all of our conversation is about the manager. And once again, we're expecting some manager to fix all the problems with this club when we've known that, like, there's no silver bullet manager that is going to make things better. Like, we need to improve the whole football operations. And, the director of football hire needs to happen quickly and lockstep with whoever we hire because this is how we're going to get the players and the squad to actually play for whoever this guy is, whether it's Pasta Coglu or someone else. And, you know, we keep distracting ourselves to talk about the flavor of the week manager, and I'm just... We're all just talking about the wrong thing.
0: Well, I mean, it does sound like we have a new name in the director of football thing to talk about. I don't know that any of us have anything interesting or intelligent to say about it. Well, him, but.
2: I mean, the only thing I could say about that is, so it's the, the name is Marco Nepp. Nep is, is that, for once, I think I'm just... Literally no idea. A ...clueless on how to say it. Anyway, he's in Byron's front office. And if he's who we end up hiring, Spurs might be semi-justifying in that because I think the only reason he is maybe a guy Spurs are about to hire is because there's been a palace coup at Byron, and Uli Hoeneß is taking the club back over and his bosses just got shit cans. So he's probably on his way out the door. We don't know. Again, we're recording this Thursday night in America. I don't know how serious or real this is. If we end up hiring a guy like that, fine. Great. Um, by all accounts, he seems like a smart
0: dude, but it's, it's he's not implicated in any crimes yet. I think that's the main yeah, thing that I'm Yeah, Yeah. Is the important thing there. Uh, I was just frustrating about it is
2: uh, we've had, like two three months to deal with this and that's you know not signing the like once we should have been preparing to hire a placement for paratichi it's like i understand that like where we are now like you can't afford to like dilly dally to hire uh you know if you want to get pasta or slot or whoever like you probably can't afford to like wait around but like you know my question would be and there might be a real answer for this but given how the club operates i'm guessing there isn't a good one why are we still fucking around with the director of football hire? Why isn't this done or virtually done? Cause I think none of us would be like all that upset if it was like, Oh yeah, we hired this guy from Bayern. He can start in two weeks. Like, you know, I think we would all be like fine if there was a guy like on the books, who's like doing work from like, you know, Bavaria or wherever. And then like, he'll, you know, like what, what's going on with, with, with Munn, like, you know, he's doing work even though he hasn't officially started. So, you know, I don't understand why this hasn't gone further. I would hope that, this is just something that isn't reported out on him. You know, that is the positive answer for Spurs. My guess is we just don't have our act together. And, you know, there's no good excuse for that. Um, you know, this club should have should have had a short list of, like, guys to start calling the second. Um, Artici. you know, all that shit happened to him in January. And then we got caught with our pants down in April. And even if we got caught with our pants down on the specific date of his suspension. Like, we still should have been ready to start calling guys, and we clearly clearly weren't as prepared as we ought to be. And it's just infuriating.
1: Yeah, like, I will feel less bad about our direction with a manager that seems like the kind of guy we should be targeting, but I still won't feel, like, optimistic that we're actually going to be prepared to compete until something comes out that – our director of football search was intelligent and ends in a, you know, reasonably positive place that isn't like hiring the Paraticci of some other big club that we're looking at. And I don't know that this guy at Byron, you know, is necessarily that, but you know, I just we're not hearing anything that's like making us feel better. And so I'm not gonna feel better <laughs> until something happens on that front. Like, yeah, we've done bad things, but, like, we're still in a window where, like, we can fix it, you know? It's, like, it's June 2nd right now. People are on holiday, you know, there's still finals to happen in the next couple weeks. Like, things aren't going to start moving in earnest for a little while yet, but, like, that window is rapidly shrinking.
2: You got about a week and a half to sort this out, two weeks tops. Like, I mean, you need somebody ready to do work by, like, the 10th or so, and... You know, yeah. say what you want. Like, I think there's actually like, you look at Pasta and I think there's a lot of what he's done on and off the field at Celtic that will actually or could actually translate well at Spurs. Like, you know, I mean, say what you like, I think a problem that you have to worry about with a guy like Slot is like, well, how's he going to handle, you know, a Premier League club and all the shit that comes with it? Whatever else you get at Celtic, you probably get that atmosphere. So he's going to come in with that. But he handles a lot of player transfers at Celtic. And as good a job as he's done there, I'm reasonably confident in saying he's going to be out of his depth doing that at Spurs. You know, like, the, you know, guy, guys he knows from the J-League, players who are going to be on a Scottish team. Like, you know, he, I, I don't want him handling transfer. I want him to have input. I want him to have his opinions, but, like, I don't want him, like, calling up dudes and, like, bringing them to Spurs. <laughs> like, we're out of his depth for that. So you need someone in here who knows what they're doing and can assist. Them. And I understand we have, like, Paratici's front office is still there. It's not like there's... Mm-hmm you know, it's not like there's no one behind the, you know, the, um, window, but you know, like those guys are, that's great that they're there. It's great that whoever we hire is going to have a staff that he can work with, but you know, they're not the ones setting the direction they're, they're there to assuming they stick around. They're there to carry out our director of football's vision. And, you know, we need to get that guy in here.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've got like you guys said a week and a half to make something happen and i don't know i, I just it, i don't want to be in in limbo anymore I, I i i want to start hoping about like specific things i don't want to just have general hope where it's just like yeah maybe we'll we won't fuck this up i want to now have specific hope that like oh this guy specifically will not fuck this up um We've been waiting so long,
2: and that. also, like, there was an article today in the mail from um, what's his name, uh, the journalist at the mail, that he was writing about um, you know, players are like wondering what's going on with Spurs, and they're waiting for a direction. And I think, as far as players are concerned, a manager will solve a lot of those problems. But like, you know, you need a direction from your front office to get these guys, and you know, especially given that we have some pretty key signings, we need to make this window you know, time to get moving. You know, every day I wake up hoping I see news about like a extremely concrete link to a director of football candidate. And, you know, we just don't see it. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, I think it's time <laughs> to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have anything else. To yeah. We just got to come up with uh, we got to come up with uh, some sort of horny for uh, pasta uh, meme. Like we pasta had the Coglads. Uh, yeah. They're pasta Coglads. I like it. I like it. Um Yeah. But we'll, we'll be, uh, it's going to be summer. So we're probably going to be on a semi irregular schedule, but I think, you know, once we have stuff to talk so about, the
1: same we're, schedule.
0: we're
2: on. Yeah. Well, no, we're on a we were pretty regular this whole season. Ben. You, you know what? We did a good fun. job not considering
0: regular. how shitty this season was. Cause <laughs> usually about February, Ben goes, no, nah, I'm done <laughs> talking about this. And so this year you stuck with it Ben so I want to commend you podcaster of the season excellent job <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
2: yeah so we'll we'll be back when there's something to talk about um I so hopefully next week we're going to have uh, a new manager to talk about and we're going to you know we'll have we'll bring some fosters with us um to the podcast um and hopefully there'll be I don't know maybe some
1: uh I don't know it will be fun to have like an Aussie manager. Like, yes, that's a good vibe. <laughs> like, like, I like,
2: I know he's not as he's not the big boy that like Martin Yole was, but like, I mean, he's he got to feel of the, like
0: he's a big boy. But though. He's
2: gonna be like top of the list, of, like managers in the Premier League who would win in a fight, right? Like, it's like him and Desarbi I think next year if we hire him, like it's gonna be nice to have a guy who's gonna like square up to Arteta or something.
1: Yeah, it's like that's such a better attitude than like the like histrionic Italian guy with his fucking hand gestures. Like, I don't need that.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine if like Tuchel, like, you know, if Tuchel's like hold, like won't let go of his hand. Like, I mean, slot, like, like yeah, clothesline him or something <laughs> <laughs> like he looks like Arn Anderson. It's going to be great. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Like, on aesthetics and vibes and being Australian, like, (laughs) all of those things, I'm just like, that's a guy, like, I want to look in the dugout and see that man standing there. Like, that, he passes that test with flying colors. Like, so much more than a lot of guys we've had and, like, been linked with.
2: It's, um, I think the moment I felt, I, I, like, really fell in love with his whole persona was that there's that clip of him, someone's, like, sitting behind the Celtic dugout, and he's just, like... Using extremely salty language, telling his players in a very loud voice to stop passing it backwards. And it's just like, oh, this is what we need. It's <laughs> an angry Australian man threatening our back line.
0: He does have like a very high school assistant principal haircut, though, um, which I, I'm not a big fan of. But
2: he does have kind of like what if Martin Yole like went to strip clubs and sold a little like Coke on the side vibe, which isn't a bad thing
0: yeah i mean That's i think martin Yol being dutch already has that vibe but i mean maybe See, if we're specifically talking about him going to like australian like clubs. what if
2: martin Yol, like if martin Yole like put on a gold chain it would just like the hair would grow out like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's gonna be great vibes i'm looking i'm looking forward to you know that making a lot of bluey jokes that'll be fun um
0: and I'm looking forward to the news tomorrow that he signed a five year <laughs> extension. <laughs> oh God. Well, fortunately, if nothing else, he's
2: gonna have to make a decision to stay at Celtic because he has like a rolling twelve month contract. So if you know, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to reject us. Celtic won't be able to do anything about it, which is gonna be a nice change of face. Yeah. Until he actually rejects us. So on that note, it's time to wrap it up. Ben, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ComradeUSpurs. And, Brian, where can people find you? You
0: can also find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That's Brian with a Y.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. And don't forget to follow our podcast at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. For Ben, for Brian, and, of course, for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host. Thanks for sticking with us all season. I hope it's a more. I hope we're having a lot more fun next year. Uh, cause this kind of sucks shit. So, um, come on you spurs.